Before we get into the episode, I'd like to put a disclaimer up front, just because I think some people are going to take this messaging the wrong way. I in no way condemn or go against the actions of any unions within the United States who are actively building towards popular worker power in the workplace and outside of it. I stand with unionized workers and non-unionized workers who are making an attempt to unionize. I stand with the unions that stand with the people. I stand with the unions that support the people. And if anything that I have to say in this uh, episode makes you uncomfortable, if anything I have to say in this episode makes you upset, my email is indefensiveliberation at gmail.com. No caps, no spaces. I'd love to hear from you, my friend. Solidarity with the workers in Buffalo at the Starbucks. Solidarity with the Columbia University students. Solidarity with the Union Met coal workers who are eight months strong. Keep it up, folks. Get, get a hold of your Union Met coal workers. Reach out to them. Reach out to their organizations. Show them solidarity. Donate to them. Figure out ways to uh, pump up their uh, stories in the media. Solidarity to every single worker that is trying amidst one of the worst periods of time any of us have had in our recent life. Solidarity to you. Because not for nothing, that's the least I can do. If I can't be there fighting with you, just know that I'm here fighting for you in every way that I can. Shout out to everyone who is actively struggling for a better tomorrow. My heart goes out with you. Solidarity and peace to every single one of you. I have some critiques to say about some of the stuff that's going on uh, in this country, the United States, and I hope that you will understand that it is a critique of solidarity because I do want to see these things improve and I want to be a part of improving them. So please take whatever I have to say with a grain of salt and let me know what you think. Again, my email is indefensiveliberation at gmail.com. No caps, no spaces. You can find me on all my social media, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at indefensiveliberation. Again, the last thing that I will say here is this. If you can join a union, if you can't, Join a revolutionary organization. Solidarity to you all. Peace, love. Stay safe. All right, here comes the episode. What's going on, y'all? So I'm doing that annoying thing where I post twice in a day. So we're going to consider this one a bonus episode. Cue the air horns. Anyways, I don't have air horns. <laughs> um, <laughs> I... Uh, I was like listening to by any means necessary as I have come into a habit of doing. And uh, there was a a guest on uh, who was really hitting on some incredible points. And I I would hate to come on here without putting their name out there. So let me go ahead and find their name. Um, It was in the episode titled Amazon and Candle Factory Tornado Deaths Are Products of Corporate Greed. And, uh, excuse me, Jeribu Hill, uh, founder and executive director of the Mississippi Workers Center for Human Rights. Um, so she came on to talk about a few different things and, um, she's been able to hit on some really, really good points. But the one thing that she's really hitting on right now in the moment that I'm listening to in the podcast is about how 
black folks historically in this country, as well as poor and oppressed people in general, have remained quite loyal to both the Democratic Party and the, uh, you know, ruling class establishments, such as, you know, our houses of government, our police departments, our military, etc. And yet, time and time again, this loyalty, this faithfulness, this, you know, true, uh, I don't want to say trust necessarily, but this commitment that poor and exploited people have made to these parties, to these individuals, have almost never turned up fruit. And as I continue to learn and read and expand my understanding of the system as a whole and how it has historically developed here in the United States, I continue to come to the realization that even the few instances where the fruits uh, have been procured for the masses of people in instances like maybe we might say the New Deal or other similar legislative or executive actions that have taken place to seemingly uh, pass gains onto the masses of working people, a lot of these even come with a great cost. And that is a direct siphoning of the energy of mass movements that have taken place consistently all across the world But even here in the United States, you see actual mass movements taking place that lead towards things like a minimum wage increase, that lead towards things like civil rights legislation, that leads towards things like women's rights uh, in law. Um, But again, can we truthfully say that these three that I've named off here, minimum wage, women's rights, civil rights, can we say that any of those three have freed the oppressed and exploited people from their position of oppression? Because as far as I understand it, there was just a year ago, and still continues to this day in some places, one of the largest mass movements for black freedom and black liberation here in the United States just last year. There is an active movement by indigenous people and migrant communities for an end to the police state, for an end to the border patrol, for an end to ICE and the police. That happens right now. That is happening right now. And these mass movements historically have led to gains. They have. They've put people in office. They've had legislation passed. They've taken us out of wars. The issue, and we've discussed this before, when we discuss the difference between a proletarian and a non 
proletarian revolution, the difference being that at the end of the day, all of these concessions, all of these gains are only capable of being implemented by the ruling class. We continuously expect consolidation and uh, consolation from the ruling class. We continue to expect concessions and sympathies from the very people who not only built and currently administrate the system that is causing our exploitation and oppression, but also monetarily and power, like, based in power, they gain by continuing this system. They continue to be elected into positions of power. They continue to be on boards of directors for the largest banking firms. They continue to be delegates to the United Nations. They continue to be, you know, oil industry executives. They continue to have military uh, uh, contracting firms. And so even in instances like the minimum wage, the minimum wage has not actively and actually presented itself as a survivable wage in decades. And I'm not just saying because it's $750. i am saying at whatever point the minimum wage was set for the last 100 plus years, it was never set at an actual place of relative comfortability or safety. So therefore... Those who were even lucky enough to have a job that would pay them a minimum wage, that minimum wage isn't giving them what they need. But the reason why I bring this up is because right now we're seeing a lot of attention being placed on the events that are happening at Columbia University, the events that recently happened at the Starbucks in Buffalo, New York. Three Starbucks altogether, I believe, had uh, voted on unionization, two of which said yes, one of whom said no, I believe. Um, And there's a lot of attention on different, you know, organizations that are going in and getting folks like Amazon and uh, I'm trying to think who else, Union Met Coal to organize. I'm talking the United Auto Workers Union. I'm talking the Industrial Workers of the World. I'm talking AFL-CIO. Um, <clears throat> a lot of attention is being placed on these uh, events, on these individuals, and on these organizations. And a lot of people seem to be quite fond of the things that they are doing. And for great reason. These are developing uh, uh, events that are leading towards some gains and some protections for workers. And that is incredible But my worry becomes whether or not, as we uh, have seen time and time again, whether or not this energy is going to lead towards systematic change rather than temporary uh, individual-based change. Because I I heard on a TikTok, somebody says, you know, what if people don't want to work at Amazon or at John Deere? or at Starbucks, or at Union Met Coal? What if people don't want to, you know, uh, you know, have to be able to depend on a job, or depend on employment to have health care, to have housing, 
to have education? What if people instead feel that they deserve to have this just for being human beings? What do we do then? He goes, how do we unionize the world? And of course, it's only through revolution, my friends, because unfortunately, even the unions themselves, right there in their name, collective bargaining unions, they can only do so much. They can obviously bring the interests, the needs, and the wants of the workers together into one steady body which can stand firm against the corporations, stand firm against the bosses in a way that individual workers and individual workplaces can't. But do unions constitute a revolutionary organization intent on placing power in the hands of people themselves? Or are unions able to be co-opted in a way that leads towards a siphoning of energy back into the very same capitalist system? We saw this with the slogan, defund the police, which came from the slogan, abolish the police. We saw this with the energy that was in the streets for Bernie and for uh, actual social change. We saw that in the ballots for Biden, and we see how his promises have turned no fruit. We see how time and time again, the leadership of different unions, the leadership of different organizations collaborates with and ultimately capitulates to the bosses the ruling class. Because at the end of the day, even the union bosses need their jobs. Even the, you know, head of the labor relations board needs their job. So at the end of the day, we must remember this is a capitalist society. The institutions and the structures of which make up its state do not constitute socialism. So, If and when they develop something that is capable of halfway meeting a need of the masses, this is a concession. This is a half-assed attempt to solve the very problem that they themselves have created. It is only the capitalists who are to blame for the poverty and exploitation and oppression of the people across the world. It is only the capitalist and imperialist system which is to blame for the continued pollution and destruction of the earth. It is only the capitalist and imperialist ruling class which is to blame for the death of 800,000 Americans of something like five or 10 million people across the world from COVID-19. It is solely the ruling class which is to blame for all of these issues. But if and when union leaders, if and when politicians, if and when representatives, if and when organizations end up taking the easy way out, consolidating with the ruling class, finding ways in which to become opportunist slime and just make their own coin. Every single time that happens, every single time that that 
happens. We have to point it out. We have to understand that unions in and of themselves are not revolutionary. We have to understand that what unions do is make the workplace more comfortable for your exploitation. They make the workplace more difficult for the exploitation to occur because of protections that exist, but they still allow for mass unemployment. They still allow for mass hunger. They still allow for a lack of support outside of the workforce, outside of the individual plant, outside of the individual job sector or trade field. Unions in and of themselves do not change the system and therefore unions can only be a part of the revolutionary mass movement towards a proletarian uprising and revolution to overthrow the capitalist system as a whole. And it is only when socialism is established that true unions can actually be able to provide the masses of people the full protections both within and without the workplace that they require. And it'll be upon other mass organizations. It'll be upon the state as it is constituted under a dictatorship of the proletariat to provide the masses of people with everything they need, not just a cushy job, not just a nice salary, not just another Christmas bonus. We need workers and non-workers in charge of the system today. And if you want to talk about the unemployed, if you want to talk about the non-workers, if you want to talk about the folks who are lazy and taking advantage of the system and that, look at who's in charge. Look at the capitalists, the imperialists, the bankers, the traders. Look at the politicians. None of them work. None of them do a goddamn thing for you and me. They're the lazy uh, uh, bottom feeders. They're the ones who are siphoning off the wealth into their own bank accounts. They are the lazy do-good-nothing or... Yeah, exactly. Whatever. I'm rambling at this point. You know what the fuck I mean. They're the ones who take advantage of the system, not the masses of people who are taken advantage of by the system. It is the ruling class themselves who take advantage of the system by taking advantage of those like you and me through the use of the system, if that all makes sense. And I'd like to clarify those points for those who might maybe get upset by this You know, critique in the middle of a a grassroots movement, which is taking place all across the country. But I think we have to understand this clearly because we have to understand how to take advantage of the energy that exists in this world right now. There are people all over the world who are rising up, not only just to join unions, but to overthrow governments, to end U.S. imperialism, to, you know, get rid of Israeli occupation, to overthrow a U.S. or uh, French or German or British occupied area in indigenous territory. All of these things are happening all over the world, you know? And so if we in the United States are so focused, so inherently centered on this idea that unions are the ticket, it seems suspicious to me. Because it's been proved since the early 1900s when unions were the thing that was happening here in the U.S. and all over the world, mostly in European countries. We saw in Russia prior to their revolution 
that unions were not enough to get the workers everything they needed because the gains that they have are temporary because the capitalist system is temporary. The capitalist structure is vacillating. It is constantly changing. It is constantly leading towards more and more inequality, more and more poverty, more and more wealth centered in the hands of fewer and fewer people, meaning more and more proletarians, more and more working class people. And sure, right now, in that moment where everything's going to shit, are unions the most important thing to be attacking? No, but I'm not attacking them. I want folks to understand, I want you to join a union. I want you to organize your workplace. I want you to develop collective and cooperative organizations of power both in your workplace and outside of your workplace where that you can force the people who take advantage of you to deal with not just yourself, but also everyone that they're taking advantage of. And I want each and every one of you militant. I want each and every one of you radicalized and with revolutionary theory in your mind to understand why it is that I say unions are not necessarily revolutionary. Unions are an organ of power and a necessary one, but they do not necessarily lead us towards revolution. What I mean by this is simple. If every single worker right now were to join a union, do you think that would systematically change the capitalist system? You might say, yes, Josh, look at the Nordic states. Look at how different it is. But how different, how different is it really when you're houseless? How different is it really when you are systematically attacked because of your skin color? How different is really that all the hospitals, all of the grocery stores, all of the entertainment businesses, all of the clothing apparel companies have their products through slave labor and sweatshop forced labor? How different is it when whether it is a Democrat a Republican, a liberal or a conservative, a social Democrat or a democratic socialist. How different is it when each and every single one of those people sit side by side in the same halls of government writing the same legislation to put $787 billion into the hands of the world's largest terrorist organization, the world's largest polluter, aka the U.S. military? Why is it that each and every single one of those people sits next to each other and reaches across the aisle to ensure that each and every one of them is making as much money as you and I could ever fathom that they would be making while sitting in these halls of government for 20, 30, 40 years, all while doing not a goddamn thing for their constituents, all while doing nothing but misinforming and misleading the working class people in their localities and municipalities. How different is this system to the Nordic system? If when the working people demand change, they are faced with tear gas. When the working class 
demands social justice, they are met with police batons in Norway, in Denmark, in Switzerland, in Ireland. You just saw it in Glasgow, Scotland, when the communists and the socialists and the indigenous people went to Glasgow and they were forced to protest hundreds of yards away from where the ruling class elites were because military police and barricades and barbed wire kept them from it. But why is it that the masses of people, 100,000 that were there, felt that they couldn't do anything? Well, because all of our energy is constantly siphoned back into the system. We do not have revolutionary politics here, and we do not have revolutionary politics in the Nordic states. We have revolutionary politics in the global south with folks like the Sandinistas, with folks like Daniel Ortega, with folks like the uh, Cuban government, with folks like Nicolas Maduro and his party, with folks like all kinds of different global south organizations, individuals, workers, non-workers, exploited people, all of them constitute true revolutionary politics in their very existence because their goal is to take power from those who hold it above them. It is the people who can change this system and whether the people do that in a uh, uh, union or whether the people do it in power really does make a difference whether we think it does or not because just by joining unions the system does not change the system does not wither away and the people are not in control we need proletarian power we need a revolution and if you want to join a union if you want to organize your workplace please do Please get your coworkers talking about these ideas. Please get your coworkers aware that they are being exploited. But also understand that just by forming a union, you will put a target on your back. And when you put that target on your back, you must make sure that that union can truly provide for you the things that it says it will, that it will truly protect you both within your workplace and outside of it. And if your union can't do that, well, then you might need something more. You might need to join more organizations. You might need to dedicate your time to more struggle. Unions are important, but they're not it. We need revolution. I hope you understand my point and I hope you will uh, uh, reach out and let me know what you think about this because with everything that's going on with uh, Union Met Cole, who's still on strike, with everything that's going on with this possible new unionization effort in Bessemer, with everything that's going on in Buffalo, with everything that's going on with all these massive unions getting all this influx of membership, we need these unions doing more than just the bare minimum. We need these unions building revolutionary organs of power in the workplace where workers themselves can take control of their destinies, take control of their communities, and especially take control of their workplace. But we must do more. We must have mass organizations. We must have self-defense parties. We must have communist parties. And we must have revolution. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed. See you next time. Bye.